Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good. Jesus is Lord? Cool. This feels like a funny way to start, given our uh, recent conversation, but here we go. Um, so when, when I was four years old, I discovered a fundamental problem with Christianity. <laughs> I'm serious. I was, uh, uh, we were missionaries in uh, Russia when I was, when I was little, and uh, one of the things that my um, very loving grandfather used to do was he would, since we didn't have, we only had Russian TV at that, at that point, uh, he would uh, tape on VHS, like uh, the Disney Channel and stuff like that, and mail it to us in, in Russia. And I remember this idea getting into my brain when I was little. I remember it kind of solidifying as I got older. I, I realized that there was a problem. See, we were, we were missionaries. We were traveling the world to spread the gospel so that everyone would be saved, right? That, that would be the goal, right, of a missionary? Maybe, sure. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. So um, one day I was watching one of these tapes, and I was watching this cartoon. And I liked this cartoon a lot. I remember sitting there watching this cartoon, thinking, I like this very much. This is very fun. Um, that's how I talked as a four-year-old. <laughs> um, and, I, and it was this fun little cartoon show uh, where, like, they were these little uh, baby cartoon characters who were, like, in a nursery, and they were, like, imagining all these fun things every time. They were imagining being a, a knight who had to fight a dragon, or they were imagining, like, going to find this lost treasure, or just fun stuff like that. And I thought, this is so exciting. This is so fun. I really enjoy this cartoon show. And then I had this thought hit me. I had this thought of, okay, we're missionaries. We want to, you know, get everyone saved. We want everyone to know Jesus. And then this thought hit me that, that shook me to the very core of my little, little small self. What would this show be about if the people who made it were Christians? And, you know, I grew, I grew up in church more, more or less. And so I, I thought about that and I thought, well, I guess all of these Babies would be standing in the nursery, like worshiping and reading the Bible and stuff. Right? And then I felt something enter my heart that made me very sorrowful. I thought, Jesus, I, I hope that maybe the people who make this show get saved last. <laughs> because my picture of what it would be like if Christians made the show was less exciting. I knew it was probably wrong to think that, but I thought maybe if they could be saved last, hopefully the show would continue to be good. <laughs> um, and I've had a couple conversations with the Holy Spirit about that since, because that memory stuck with me for, for a, a while. And as I got older, and especially as I started going through uh, the School of Ministry in Reading and learning more about God and more about what he wants to do, I realized where my problem actually was, but I didn't quite get a full picture of what the solution was. I realized, okay, I, I kind of have a decent picture of what the, the manifested presence of God looks like in a church service. You know, even in this little funny picture I had in my head of this cartoon, like I imagined all the little, uh, the, the cartoon was called The Muppet Babies, yeah, so it was like baby versions of the, of the Muppets and everything. Yes, it was a very good cartoon. Um, and I just imagined, like, Kermit the Frog kind of, like, laid out in the presence of God kind of thing. <laughs> Which would probably be more funny in puppet form than it would be in cartoon form. But anyway, sorry. Funny picture. Um, and because I had seen pictures of what the manifest presence of God had looked like in a church service. And as I got older, I realized I have no idea what the manifest presence of God looks like in a Saturday morning cartoon show. And the picture I have with it is less exciting than the one I have right now. And then the thought occurred to me, I, if the manifest presence of God was actually coming through a Saturday morning cartoon show, it probably wouldn't be boring. Amen. 
right? <laughs> you have to answer right because it's, it's the presence of God, right? <laughs> so I feel like the Lord started to answer this question. I want to take you guys there for a second. Today, more than a message, I feel like the Lord has an impartation for you guys. So I'm going to talk about this for a relatively short amount of time, and then we're going to pray for you guys. Does that sound good? Cool. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. I'm not telling you the reference because I just want you to listen, for those of you who are panicking. Um, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I love what we just just talked about, how this Jesus made an example of this pretty much immediately in his ministry of gathering disciples, gathering people who would just leave what they were doing and follow him. And it's not very long afterwards that he's releasing authority on these people and they are going and they're, they are casting out demons. They are healing the sick, doing the exact same things that he had been already doing. It's in, in, within the context of the scripture, it's just a few chapters before he's releasing them to do, to, to do the same things that he's doing. Now, a little bit later, uh, that first one, just in case you were looking for the reference, that was in Matthew 4. The next one's going to be in Matthew 16. But a little bit later, Jesus is starting to explain to the disciples that, hey, there's this thing I have to do. I'm going to have to go back to Jerusalem, and I'm going to have to die. Now, good old Peter uh, doesn't like that plan. And so in Matthew 16, 22, Peter, said, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. This is Jesus he took aside. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. It's a great idea. Uh, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are, a stum- you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. A little intense, yeah? One more story just along this subject. I I would encourage you, it's really fun, just in your... uh, Bible website or Bible searching software, just type in all the times that Jesus says, follow me, and read those passages. It's interesting. This is another one of those. Uh, So Jesus had been teaching, and as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, and you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He's asking him, what do you mean by good? Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a baby. I love this story, because this is, this is a story of the, the rich man, you know, coming to Jesus, and we usually hear this story in, uh, in what I would probably call in, in a mildly condemning light of some kind. You know, either we're talking, either someone's talking about how bad money is or how dangerous money is or something like that. Um, which is funny because when I was rereading this scripture this time, this, this, ver- this portion of this verse stuck out to me a little bit more loudly. And, um, and I like it. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy... Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This is a slight side note, but I just love this, that that feels like a hardcore statement. That feels like a, let me just raise the stakes on you. Let me just, you know, make this really hard. That was his reaction out of experiencing love for the passion that this man was showing. 
Like this guy had already run up and fallen on his knees and saying, what must I do? And I, I think that sometimes we've seen this moment in our heads, or at least I have, with Jesus being condemning or Jesus being disappointed or Jesus being frustrated at this person. I, I, I see this more as someone who is experiencing love towards this person and showing the, genuinely, genuinely, truly, truly showing him how to get what he's asking for. Does that make sense? This isn't an arbitrary set of rules. This isn't like jump over this hurdle and then you're in. This is I'm telling you how to get what you're asking for. Does that make sense? That's an important distinction because if we see the, the requirements of scripture, the, the requirements that Jesus puts on his disciples, on his people, as hurdles, as impress me, as show me how dedicated you are, show me how tough you are, we are clearly in a performance mentality and trying to earn something that cannot be earned. Again, I could really dive into this, but I just want to briefly go forward. Like, um, oh yeah, so, so again, you know, at this man's face fell, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I've heard a lot of preachers, and I hope I'm not uh, firebombing anyone who's preached this way before, but, you know, they say, like, okay, well, uh, you know, there was this um, particular gateway in this area that was called the eye of the needle, and camels actually had to duck under to get through. You know, it's like, okay, you just have to humble yourself. It's like, that's great. He just said exactly what he needed to do already. Uh, you know, it's not about humbling, I don't think. I think it's kind of additive. I remember one message I heard where it's like, how would you get a camel through an eye of the needle? Well, you'd grind it up into little powder and then force it through the eye of the needle. I'm like, maybe that's how you would do it. <laughs> but Jesus explains it right afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember the hand motions and everything with that one. But anyway, um, so... Uh, the yeah, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, then who can be saved? Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The point is that you can't. You know what I mean? The point is that you can't. So I had an interesting uh, encounter the, the other day. Um, again, if you're new around here, we're diving in on the deep end, so welcome. Um, if you've been around for a while, this is familiar territory, but uh, I've been seeing in the spirit since I was a little kid, so I see angels, demons, and other spiritual things on a pretty regular basis. And so a couple months ago, I was uh, out in front of my house in Tyrone. I'm not going to give you the address, sorry. Um, and I was playing with my kids. And uh, just playing around with them, having a good time. You know, it was mid-afternoon or something like that. And all of a sudden, I saw the Lord standing in front of me. He was 15 or 20 feet tall, shining bright, and it was hard to look at him. And behind him, I saw these huge, what I immediately took to be shelves. They were these really high shelves that reached so high that they blocked out the sun partially. I could only see the light of the sun through the rows of these shelves. And I thought, I was not expecting this right now. <laughs> and I looked, as I looked closer, as I got over the initial sock of this just kind of showing up in my driveway, um, I looked up and again, I saw that these, these, these rows and rows went really high and they went as, when I looked down the row, I could, they went as far as I could see in this direction. Then I looked to the left and I saw more and they went as far as I could see in this direction. And I looked behind me and I saw they went as far as I could see in this direction. As I looked a little bit more closely, I realized that they, um, some of these, they, there were these drawers that were along these shelves and they were all a little bit different. Some of them were like the kind of boring slate corporate file cabinet gray. They, they almost looked dead when I looked at them. And then some of them were beautiful. They were ornamented. They looked like... Um, they were like marble with like gold inlay around them, and they just looked, looked beautiful. 
And immediately, especially when I looked at those more beautiful ones, I was reminded of like a mausoleum. You know, if you've ever seen uh, that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was going to say if you've ever seen that method of storing dead people, which is not a polite way to say it. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen a building like that, uh, you know, it's those beautiful marble walls lined up and they have the graves in, in the wall like that. And I, some of them were beautiful and some of them were really, really plain. And when I looked up, as the shelves got higher and higher and higher, everything that was kind of on the lower side was closed. All of the higher ones were open. And so I said, what is this? And I heard him say, it's a graveyard. And I was thinking, why is there a graveyard in my driveway? And then he said, it's a graveyard of dreams. I thought, okay. And I thought, like, you know, I have a lot of dreams in my life, but I don't think I have this many. I mean, this is a lot. And he said, no, this is a graveyard for my dreams, meaning God's dreams. And I thought, why is this in my driveway? <laughs> and he said, this graveyard covers the entire earth. There's no place that isn't covered by this because there's no place that I haven't been dreaming into since the beginning of time. And I looked and I realized that the ones that were kind of the boring foul cabinet slate gray, they felt dead, they felt empty. And immediately I realized that these were the dreams that were unfulfilled. That these were God's dreams that he placed on the earth that never got fulfilled, that didn't come true, that didn't happen. And he opened those up and I just saw files and files and files of paper. And the paper was everything that he had written down that he had dreamed about this thing, this idea. And then he opened one of the golden ones, one of the beautiful ones, one of the ones that had been fulfilled. And I was surprised to see a pair of feet inside. I was a person. It was like pulling open the drawer at, you know, like in the movie when they pull open the drawer at the morgue, you know, that kind of thing. So the ones that were dead were just paper. They were just the dream written out. The ones that were full had a person inside. And he said, my dreams come through, come true through my people. And I looked around and I realized that in the rough calculation of just looking at what I was looking at, that there were more drawers that were dead than ones that were alive. There were more dreams that hadn't come true than dreams that had come true. I immediately felt this deep sorrow in my heart that it, it hit me. I could feel the pain. I could feel the care that he had put into every one of those dreams. I could feel his heart hoping for who's going to take this one? Who's going to jump in this one? Who's going to take this? That he had placed everyone with intention and care and purpose. And, how, and that, those, not, that, that those weren't the, the, the B-tier dreams that he had put there. That he had... It, the, the, and this is one of those things where it's like, I, it was just a feeling, so it's a little bit difficult to describe. But I could feel that he genuinely cared about those coming true, but so many of them hadn't. And as I saw that there were so many more that were unfulfilled and ones that were fulfilled, I just blurted out without really thinking, then why do you even dream? <laughs> and he said, I'll never stop hoping and believing in my children. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about a couple things, and I'm going to talk to you about a few of those couple things. Um, I'm going to talk to you about how he reached up and he grabbed a drawer and pulled it a little bit further open. And he said, this is my dream for you. 
And I thought, oh. <laughs> and he pulled it down so that it could be level with my eyesight, and it was, it was empty. And it, again, this, is, this was even strange a little bit to me, but again, it looked like a, like a mausoleum. It looked like a coffin. And he said, do you want to get in? <laughs> And at first I looked, and it looked about as wide as a, your average file cabinet drawer. And, you know, uh, I'm a little more wide than your average file cabinet drawer. And so I had the thought of, that looks kind of small. And he said, oh, yeah, there's no, dream, no room for your dreams in there. There's only room for my dreams. And he said, don't worry. I'll hold them for you. <laughs> Meaning, don't worry, I'll hold your dreams for you. <laughs> My Saturday morning at Cartoon Conundrum might seem a little bit silly, but the truth is... <laughs> That there is not a corner of this earth that God does not have a plan for. That God does not have a hope for. That God does not have a dream for. There is not an aspect of society, an aspect of personality, an aspect of culture, an aspect of any part of this earth in any part of its history that he does not have a dream for. And he has placed so many of those dreams on his people. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I've said for a couple of years that I, and I'm, I, this, is, this part of it is something that I hear tons and tons of prophetic voices all across the world saying that we are on the precipice of, precipice of, a, of a massive harvest. A massive harvest. A revival that would sweep across the entire world. I think I've heard the term a billion souls thrown around. A billion people being saved. The Bible tells us super plain. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. <laughs> My hope today and as we pray is... I want to give you a window for just a moment into the reality that taking your role in bringing in that harvest will cost you everything. You'll have to die. And one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to mix in with that is that you'll have to give up all the good stuff in your life. Which is a little weird because God is goodness. <laughs> and the reality is, is that if we try to save our life, that that is actually us losing it. That if I don't trust God to hold on my dream, hold on to my dreams while I submit myself to his, that I am actually missing out on the fullness of the dreams that are even in my heart. Does that make sense? I feel that the Lord, I feel like what it looks like for a billion souls to be saved is not a thousand stadiums of a thousand people each a thousand times. I'm no mathematician, so that might not even be the whole thing right there. <laughs> I think it looks like we get to discover 
what the manifest presence of God looks like on a Saturday morning cartoon show, in Hollywood, in a corporate boardroom, in a Fortune 500 company, in music, in literature, in art, in all the corners of this earth. And I feel that the enemy has tried to deceive so many of God's children into trying to save what is comfortable. When in reality, he has so, so, so much more. I travel around and speak at different conferences and things like that in different countries, different parts of the world. And um, I've asked the Holy Spirit, you know, after he showed me that in my front yard, I asked him to show me, is that graveyard here? I know God already told me that it covered the whole earth, but I was just checking, you know. <laughs> and I've seen it in different places. And then one day when I was uh, hanging out here, I asked him to show me here. And when he did, I saw so many open drawers. They went up higher, uh, as high as I could see. I could not see far enough to see how high they, they went up. I love that we, we've uh, been called a house of dreams, a house, a house where, where dreams can come true. And I believe that's absolutely true. I think that sometimes to get exactly what you're asking for, God will ask you to pay something that seems really, really high. And if we have a mindset of, I have to jump over this hurdle to get what God's giving me, then I'll be scared of that. If I realize that the Lord is telling me exactly how to get the best that's available in my life. And I'm not afraid to trust him. I feel like what it looks like for a billion souls to be saved is every son and daughter of God making his dreams come true in every corner of the earth. <laughs> Going to all these areas that we care about, all these areas that we're passionate about, all these different corners of society that we hold value for, and releasing his glory there again and again and again and again and again and again until even someone who has never heard the name of Jesus recognizes him when they start to hear about him because they've seen him represented in so many corners of society. They've seen his nature represented in so many corners of society that they are ready to receive him. Is this making sense? All right, I want everyone to stand up real quick, if that's okay. Sometimes we can get this idea that we um, just have to dive in with everything with God in, in blind faith, that... Okay, I'm just throwing everything and diving in. There's stories of that in the Bible that are beautiful. I've taught a message once on, on Thomas, uh, often called Doubting Thomas, which is, I think is a little rude, but um, where, yes, Thomas expressed doubt at the resurrection of Jesus, but he pressed in during his doubt. He stayed with his brothers and sisters, and the result was an encounter with Jesus. Does that make sense? The rich man walked away. I think that there may be some alternate history where that guy decided to come back later and said, you know what, never mind. Yes, I will. I believe that that could have been possible because Peter did that like 80 times. <laughs> Peter misinterpreted, misunderstood, fully denied Jesus and came back again. When I saw all those drawers opening up over, over this property, I just saw all of this light pouring out of it, cascading out of it. 
cascading out of it like, like, a, like a million waterfalls all at once. And I asked the Holy Spirit what that was, and he said, it's the grace for courage. It's the grace for trust. And it's the grace to make my dreams come true. I honestly don't, even though, you know, the missionary in me wants to say, sell all you have right now and go and do this and do that. Just give everything right away. I think that sometimes thinking that we need to have faith that we're not actually carrying or experiencing undermines us from having the encounter we need to build that relationship with him. Does that make sense? I think being honest with where we're at as David was so frequently, as Thomas was, as Moses was, yet remaining connected and pursuing with God so frequently ended with an encounter with him that brought what they needed. And so what I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray today is I feel that the Lord is going to start calling you to different areas of society, to different parts of culture, to different aspects of the earth. And I say that he's going to start calling you. He's been calling you since you were a child. You've been thinking about those places. You've been dreaming about those places. You've been dreaming about those people groups. You've been thinking about them. And for some of you, those dreams got, got devalued by, by others. For some of you, you just didn't know how to pursue those. There's, there's all kinds of things. Or maybe for some of you, you're in the middle of chasing after those things right now. Wherever you're at in that, I believe that the Lord wants to release you into a brand new level of stepping into the grace to accomplish his dreams on this planet. Does that sound, sound good? It sounds good to me. So what I'm going to do is, I, the, the way that I saw this, um, is I'm going to invite different groups of people up. And I'm going to actually have the, the directors, if you would, all the directors of the church, if you just line up right here real quick, that'd be fantastic. Um, I'm going to invite different groups of people, and we're just going to lay hands on you guys and just... Just pray for the release of grace over the area that you're called to, to equip you to go into those areas that you're called, to go into those areas where you're hungry to see breakthrough. And the, the model that I had in my, in my mind was um, that of the, the seven mountains. You guys familiar with that concept? And so this is, this is a, a, a good model. There, there are these different areas of society. And I want you, if you feel called to one of these areas, now I want you to be clear with this. Being called to, to release God's glory into these areas, areas doesn't necessarily mean this needs to be your full-time job or, or that if the religion mountain is one that you're called to, that you have to be a full-time minister. It could be that you just carry a passion. You carry a desire to see God's glory released in that area. Does that make sense? It could be that you're just an intercessor for this area. It could be, now it could be that you're called to be a leader in this area or to, or to have a career in this area. But again, if you just feel the Lord calling you, you feel him equipping you, you feel him speaking to you about this area, we're going to do this kind of quickly, but I'm going to have you come forward and we're going to lay hands on you. Does that make sense? Okay. Just, I'm going to list them all out ahead of time so you can think about it and listen to the Holy Spirit. But the first one is religion. So this is uh, the church. This is ministering to other religions. This is uh, kind of anything that fit, fits into that whole concept, the way the church relates to the world, you know, that, whatever part of that. If you're called to bring God's glory to the idea, to the, to the area of influence of religion, then I'll call you up in just a moment. Um, the other one is family. If you, again, we're all parts of families, um, but if you feel specifically called to to, to family, to the wholeness of family, if you feel like you're called to be a counselor, if you feel like you're called to restore relationships, if you feel called to, to your family, just to, be, to minister to your family, this is a perfect, perfect area. Also, you're allowed to come up to, for multiple of these if you feel called to multiple areas, because many of you are. The next is in education. If you feel called to the equipping of young people, the equipping of old people, the, the training and equipping of people, in whatever form, I want to make this kind of broad because this can be expressed so many different ways. If you're, if you're a teacher, if you, if you um, just love training people, even if you're training people in a trade, to, to me, this fits into that area. The next one is government. If you have a passion about how we as people govern ourselves and want to see the goodness of God released in that area, whether you feel called to actually participate in the political realm or you just feel called to be an intercessor into that into that 
realm. I think you're equally called to release his glory there. The next one is media. This is not just if you feel like you're called to be a news anchor. This is if you, if you have a passion for communication, for the way that truth and justice get distributed, get explained, get released across the, the world, the way information travels, the way people and people groups are represented in different areas. Uh, this is an area that you could come up for. Um, arts and entertainment. This is if you feel like you're called to Hollywood, if you're called to be a painter, if you're called to just create beautiful acts of worship with painting, with art, with uh, theater, with, with music, with any of those things. If you feel called to those areas, then that would be one. The last one is business. If you feel called to release God's glory into business, if you are a business owner, if you want to see God's glory manifest in the way economy works, in the way... Uh, in the, in the way that we create prosperity in, on our planet, then that is something that would fit for you. Does that make sense? Just reviewing all those. Okay, I'm going to call them up one at a time. Last thing is, if you're not coming up for that thing, I don't want you to become idle. I want you to extend your hands and release God's presence onto these people because you are part of this too. You are part of caring. You are the body of Christ. Everyone make sense? Cool. All right. If you feel that you are called to the mountain of religion, just come up real quick and we want to lay hands on you. So just come up in front and the, and the, um, the director will just kind of lay hands on you real quickly. They'll move around through the group a little bit and just kind of bless you. If someone lays hands on you, awesome. If not, that's okay. The act of coming up is what releases something. The act of choosing to come up and receive Lord, we just release grace on these people right now in Jesus' name. We release uh, the, the, the clarity of mind, the clarity of vision to hear what you're saying to your people, Lord. I release vision for church structures, for, for ways to reveal truth to people, to invite people into the kingdom, Lord. For those in this group that are coming up right now that are called to minister to other religions, I release a grace to fall in love with these people groups, to fall in love with these different, with these different people who are believing these, these different, different, uh, different belief systems. Lord, I release a grace to reveal truth, the real truth in love, to reveal truth in kindness, I would just release a, a kindness of the Lord that will lead people to repentance again and again and again. And no worries, if you can't make it up all the way to the front, that's okay. Just taking a step is all that it, is all that it takes. It's just about intention. So, Lord, we would just release that in Jesus' name. We, anoint, we release the grace. We release the grace to minister to the mountain of religion, Lord. Whether it be within the context of the church or elsewhere, we would just release that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. All right, we're going to move on to the next mountain. So if, you, if you're unable to move, that's fine. If not, you can start making your way back. But if you feel like you're called to the mountain of family, I want you to come up. If that, if that is an area of passion for you, if you feel called to release the grace of God, if you feel called to release the plans of God for family on the, on the smallest scale or the biggest scale, it does not matter. If it is just with one group, if you just, if, if you have, an, if you just have one child and that is your area where you feel called to, then you're called to do it. You just come forward. Lord, we just bless these people to be anointed to release your grace on families, Lord, to release your truth into families, Lord. We release them to raise healthy, powerful children, children who know who they are in Christ, children who know who God is, children who love the Lord from, a be from the very beginning, children who, who receive an inheritance, who receive a spiritual inheritance. We just release that right now. <coughs> oh. I release the strength and the grace to undermine the plans of the enemy that would try to rip families apart, that would try to cause disconnection. We just release your wholeness in these families right now in Jesus' name. We release wholeness right now in healing. If there are wounds in these families, if, if the enemy has thrown lies that this, that this is not your strength, this is your weakness, we just break that in the name of Jesus and say the restoration of the Lord is your strength. The presence of God is your strength in this area. Just release your grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. For those who are called to, to, to counsel others, who are called to, 
to, to bind those families together. I just release wisdom. I release insight. I release clarity. They could see exactly what the Lord is doing. That they could see exactly what needs to be done. They would be able to empower people, not just tell them what to do, but empower people to change, to growth, to transformation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, a blessing on our families, inheritance on our families. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you can't move, stay where you're at. If not, you can make your way back to your seats. Next up, we're going to call the education people. If you feel called to education, this doesn't mean that you're just a teacher uh, or in a school, although that can be true. You feel called to teach people, to equip people, to prepare people of any age group, of any, of any size, in any format. Yes, we just release the wisdom of the Lord on these people. They are equipped to release truth, to bring insight, to bring wisdom that they, that we release a healthy mantle of authority on these people, that, they, that, that their students, whatever age they are, whatever demographic they are, whatever group they are, that their students would recognize the authority on their life. They'd recognize the, the, the grace that is on their life and that they would honor it, that they would honor that grace in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, it's release insight, I release wisdom, I release revelation, I release clarity of speech, I release eloquence, I release passion, I release a, a, a connection with, with the effect that they're having, that when the enemy tries to get in the way and say, you're not having any effect, they're not listening to you, they're not doing that, they would pierce through that fog and see the truth of how they are affecting, of how they are blessing. I, spe- I, I release just a special blessing right now on school teachers, people who are in the, in the school system or, or at a homeschool co-op or whatever else, but people who are teaching children right now, their education, a blessing on you, a refreshing on you. I, I, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just connect you with the, the effect of what you're, you're doing, that you will feel how effective you're being. You will feel the blessing, the impact that you're having on these young people's lives, that you will experience the breakthrough. You will see the fruit of what you have sown in these lives in Jesus' name. And I just release a joy and connection and, and wonder, especially people who are called to be mentors. I just bless those people, even for those one-on-one teaching kind of experiences that you are, that you are, you are doing so... I, I just break that lie that you're not being effective by just stopping for the one, the connecting for the one. That, that if, even if there's just one person you walked in your life, you are releasing transformation. You are releasing a, 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 a gift that will last and live for on and on and on and on. So I just release a blessing on anyone who's called to education in Jesus' name. Next up is government. Again, if you feel called to the political realm, if you feel... Um, if you just feel a passion, if any time you hear about the news or you hear about politics, you just want, you just have this fire come up in you. I just want to release that right now. So come, come on up if that's you. Lord, Lord, we just release your grace on these people who are called to have an impact, who are called to release change, who are called to release reform, who are called to release transformation into these different areas. Lord, that they would be able to walk in wisdom. They'd be able to walk in character. I, I release a grace on people who feel called into politics, into, into, in, into political office, that they would have wisdom, that there would be a network of, of strong brothers and sisters that would surround them, that they would remain rooted in connection with other people, Lord. We just release that grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name right now, we just say that you are equipped, you are empowered. I release those of us who are called to be intercessors, who are called to pray into in, in, for specific politicians, for specific issues, for specific um, areas of society. I release a grace to, to, um, to be in alignment with heaven, to, to pray specific pointed prayers into these, into these areas that we would know exactly where we are called to focus on, what we are called to release in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And for all of us who don't feel called to that area or, not, or do not have that, that specific pull on our heart, I just release a, a healthy responsibility of recognizing that we are still a part of that system, a part of that thing, and that we would, that we would have a, that healthy sense of responsibility to take those things to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to release in the area of government? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, next up is media. 
again, if the, this one's getting really interesting because if you feel like you're called to be a YouTuber, if you feel like you're called to be on social media, the, the media is a big thing now. It's, it's all over the place. If you feel called to be, to be influencing the way that people see things, especially in, in, in that realm, um, if you feel called to be a, to be a reporter, a news, uh, news person, a journalist, even, even writing books that are kind of journalistic in the, in the way that they're ex- expressed, this could fit into this category. Lord, we just bless these people right now. We just release clarity. We release truth. We release honesty. We release poignance. We release eloquence. We just say that they can speak the truth, speak it in love, and reveal truth with everything they say, Lord. Everything that they say, God. We just release the the gift of truth, a truth that that pierces through darkness, that pierces through chaos, that pierces through 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 lies, misconceptions, through through uh, through uh, uh, previously uh, previously set perspectives that they would be able to release the light of your love out of every type of media outlet, Lord, that we that is available to us today, Lord. I release the grace on these people. I release significance, Lord. For those who feel called to 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 the social media aspect of things, I just release followers. I release. I, I set that the, the Lord said that we are like a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Lord, I just call those people to see and hear what they are saying because they are releasing the goodness of God into these different areas. I also just release a grace, again, a healthy responsibility and recognition that in the, that in the way that the world currently works, that we are all part of the media now, that we all have a hand in how the world perceives the Lord, how the world perceives one another. And I just release, again, a healthy, correct, godly responsibility, not a false responsibility, but a godly responsibility for our, our part in releasing information all across the world. In Jesus' name. All right, next up we have arts and entertainment. So if you feel called to arts and to entertainment, again, this could be, this could be Hollywood, there, there could be... There could be this, this could be, again, you could be a writer, you could be, want to be a director. This could be the smallest thing, even if you're, more, uh, if you're, if you're involved in even the, wanting to be involved in even the smallest role in, in anything that has to do with art or entertainment or anything like that. <coughs> just come on down. Yes, Lord, I just release your grace on the artists, on the entertainers, on the technicians, on all the people who are called to create beauty, who are called to create fascination, who are called to invite people in to all of the different layers of glory that you have released on the earth, Lord. I just release their hands to be skilled. I release their eyes to be sharp. I release their, their talents to grow. I just release that healthy discipline to grow their talents, to grow their skills, to grow their craftsmanship. I just release that healthy discipline, that healthy drive to say, this thing that God has given me is worth working on, is worth growing, is worth honing, is worth sharpening. And I just release that healthy discipline on all of them. I just release creativity and vision that God's people are connected to the creator. We should be providing the most creative, the most unique, the most beautiful pieces of art, the most beautiful movies, the most beautiful books. I just release a grace on all the writers out there who are called to write books, who are write, called to write fiction, who are called to write stories, and to say that you are, you are equipped to create beautiful things. You are, create to cre- you, are, you are designed to create worlds that will invite people into the kingdom of God, whether explicitly or implicitly. And I just release the grace to... to, to um, to become a professional in your heart, even if you haven't been published yet, even if you haven't seen proof that what you carry is valuable yet, I'd release the validation of heaven upon you right now. And I release your hands to, to steward what God has given you well and to treat it like it matters in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we just say breakthrough right now. And I just re- break off the lies that have been stated, that it's hard to be a Christian in Hollywood, that it's hard to be a Christian in the... In the creative realm, we just say that our God is the God of creation, the first creator, the last creator, that this is his territory, his realm. The first way that he represented himself to us is through creation, is through creating, is through making things. Whether you're, again, from a technician to an artist to anything in between, we just release that grace that you are in alignment with God's God's absolute heart for, for representing himself to his people. 
We just release that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, last but not least, business. If you feel called to business, the mountain of business. All right. All the artists leave and all the executive producers come up. (laughs) All right. Again, if you feel called, if you're a small business owner, big business owner, if you want to be, if you're in the corporate world, if if you're in the small indie business world, if you have a passion for business, if you feel called to release his glory in that area, this is, this is for you. Lord, we just bless these people right now in Jesus' name. That these are the people who are releasing finances, who are releasing creativity, who are creating jobs, who are creating new avenues, new platforms, new ideas for, for, for all of the other mountains, Lord. I just release a, a, I release a godly understanding of money, not, not a fear of money, not a love of money, not a hate of money, but God's perspective on money, that we would be able to release a healthy perspective on money. I release such a blessing right now on people who have been so faithful in, in taking care of their employees as best as they can and, and making decisions that maybe even have been difficult or been hard to, to protect the people that they employ, the people that have come under them. I just release a blessing on them right now that they would see the fruit of that decision and the fruit of that choice, Lord. I just release new levels of creativity, new levels of, of understanding, new levels of wisdom, new levels of shrewdness, Lord, that we would be able to make wise decisions. We'd be able to recognize the good investments and recognize the bad investments, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I just saw a picture of someone who had inherited a family business, and if this is you, just take it for yourself. You inherited a family business, and it just felt either like it's kind of slowly went down or it's just, it's just not kind of catching the way that it used to. And it's, it just feels like you're just trying to kind of keep it going. I just see new ideas popping in your mind, a new method, a new, a new way of doing things that just totally revitalizes the business. And where it has been this thing that's felt like a little a more and more of a burden and less and less exciting, that it'll actually not only be something that's prosperous, but also something that is exciting for you to do, exciting for you to invest your time in. So I just release that right now in Jesus' name. Let everyone who is here who is called to business is equipped to be a godly business leader. And I just break the lies that get put on business people of that they're just here to exploit, they're just here to make a buck, they're just here to here to take this from this person or this from that person. That they actually create provision. They create provision, they create pathways, they create openings, they create opportunities. I release them with the creative power of God to to create rather than take, to 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 grow rather than shrink, Lord. We just release your grace into every single one of these people right now. In Jesus' name. Last thing I want to do before we just wrap this up, I know it's kind of digging in here and it's getting, getting hot, but um, I just want everyone, just wherever you're at, just put your hands out in front of you. You don't need to move. Just put your hands out in front of you. I just release the call of God on every single person in this room that we would hear the dreams that God is calling us to, the dreams that God is calling us to. We would hear them right now. We would hear him calling us into that destiny. We would recognize that the grace is already there to accomplish those things, to move into those things, to go into those areas. I release the courage that if making those dreams come true looks like it's going to cost my life, to cost my time, to cost my energy, that we are serving a good God and he is telling us how to get exactly what we hope for. That he is telling us how to get exactly what we hope for. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.